um, today what I really wanted to do is take a session or maybe two, um, just depending on how things go, and we're going to be essentially looking at um, kind of biblical stories, later biblical stories outside of Genesis, um, that uh, as we start looking at some of the development of the waters um, and the dry land and what they mean as we go forward. So we're going to be doing that for a little bit as we look at some of these, these themes, what they mean forward. Yes, son. Yeah, there's a dragon in the water. We're going to talk about that today. A water dragon who crawls up on land sometimes. It's a very good question, son. Um, so we're going to be looking, so we're going to be working our way towards the Gospels. I doubt we get to the Gospels today, but we're going to be working our way to the Gospels as we study um, the water uh, and, and looking uh Though at those, what do I call them, hyperlinks, that all go back to Genesis chapter 1. So we're going to be kind of looking at the further developments going back to Genesis 1. So, um, so we'll start in Genesis chapter 1. If we're in Genesis chapter 1, um, we have uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. We have three images that are about pre-creation, the state of pre-creation. What are they? Well, that's, that's how God separates is the sphere. But what, is, what, what symbols, what things represent pre-creation chaos? Yeah, there are three things that kind of the pre-creation state. The sea, those waters. What else? Nope, land's a separation that creates a place away from the chaos. We're looking at what are the pre-creation states? There's it's chapter, chapter, uh, ver, chapter 1, verse 2. Darkness is one of them. We have darkness, waters, and there's one more. It's... No, light is what causes the darkness to go away. Emptiness, the waste. Very good. Uh, so we have this, this darkness, this desolate waste, and the waters, which is the pre-creative state. And, um, and, and as God creates time, Puts order to it with light and day. Uh, light, uh, there's, there's, he, he separates on, on day two. He, God separates the water from water. And he, um, and he exercises his mastery over the water. And it's, um, it, he, he creates uh, a solid thing, that rakia, that holds the water above at bay. And on day three, the dry land emerges from the water, and there's a boundary separating the water from the land, and that's the coastline, right? Um, and the, that ordained line of demarcation that uh, that's there. And um, and we've already talked about how how the, um, the flood. We've already mentioned this one. The flood is uh, building on the portrait from day two. Um, as the rakia in Genesis chapter 7, the rakia opens up and uh, the flood happens and you go back to that decreation state. Uh, it's kind of turning Genesis chapter 1 inside out. Um, and so when the flood stops in Genesis chapter 8, the rain stops, the windows, the skies are closed up and we have that uh, re uh, recreation. So... Um, so we're continuing to look on some of these themes as we travel forward, and like I said, we're going to get to the Gospels, but I don't think we'll get there today. Um, actually, I know we won't get there to the Gospels, because um, we just won't. Um, so Genesis chapter 8, verse 2. Um, 
the uh, this is this is after the flood. The 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 the, f- the flood is ending, right? And a cosmic order is reestablished at the conclusion of the flood. So earlier about that place where it was chaotic, like a return to the chaos with the flood, the waters. Um, it says the fountain of the deep and the floodgates of the skies were stopped and the rain from the sky was held back. There's kind of this, this image, the going back. See, we're supposed to, see a lot of times we kind of try to put ourselves in it and create two different separate stories. But in the final form of the Bible, I say in the final form because, you know, it's gone through many forms as it gets created over time and stuff like that. And different stories get put together and it gets written down. Um, and that's just how the Bible was written. But over time, by the time we hit the, the final place, we're supposed to be in this imagery of Genesis chapter 1 when we hit Genesis chapter 8. We're not supposed to, because a lot of times, what do we do? We don't read stories like, you know, we're, I'm not reading Genesis chapter 1 through 52. That ain't happening. Right? I'll read Genesis chapter 1 today and... Well, maybe just a couple of days. And then we'll, uh, I mean, that's, that's how we read the Bible. And it's okay to read the Bible that way. We're, you know, or maybe your, your, your plan has you reading three, you know, you know, one chapter in the Old Testament, one chapter in Psalms, and one chapter in the New Testament. And so you get through the whole Bible in a year that way. And, and, but we really, when we do that, which I said, it's fine to do that. It's okay. But we have to. Keep in mind that this is one story, and if we read it disconjected like that, sometimes I think sometimes we should just read it, pick it up, and book, read it like you would a non-fiction a fiction book, right? Just read it, you know? Uh, that's why a lot of there's like new versions coming out of the Bible that are just reader's Bibles. Uh, my next bi- version of the Bible that I buy, you know, paper version, I've got lots of uh, digital versions, but the next paper version I buy is probably going to be a reader's Bible where it's multiple volumes and you just grab and you just read it like you would a book. Uh, because we get disconjected. I'll be right with you, son. We get disconjected and it causes us to lose sight that this is a whole story. So when we read Genesis chapter 8, we've already forgotten about Genesis chapter 1. All right, son, you had a comment. That is a wonderful question. The floodgates of the sky. See, when their imagination, when they were looking at the world, they had what's called a cosmology, the way they viewed how things were created. And they viewed that there was this waters up above this rakia, this dome up in the sky. And when the flood happened, God opened the floodgates so water could pour from the Rakia down on the earth. And it would f- come up from the earth and flood the land. And that was the floodgates. And when he closed the floodgates, no more, f- didn't, not saying no more rain, but no more of these, de- these, these uh, chaotic uh, waters, those abyss waters. They didn't know more. Well, well, no, not like rain. Like the, they had this idea of these special waters that were um, really dangerous waters. And they had this idea there's really, really dangerous waters. And God's not going to let those flood all the land again. I have no idea what that means, but okay. <laughs> Yes, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, that's not in my vocabulary, but that's cool. <laughs> um, so, um, so uh, as with the conduct order reestablished, we have to ask things, um, you know, are the, are the waters still there? Are there waters still up there? In language of Genesis chapter um, 8, verse 3 uh, which I didn't put on a slide for some reason. Uh, the, you know, that uh, the language is still that um, God is still restraining those waters because he's promised not to let it happen again by his own authority. It still could happen, 
Not that he's, all, all the waters are gone, but it's still up there, and he could, it could happen, but his authority says it's not going to. So it's even better than he just used it all up the first time. It's not there. Insufficient desk space. We need to delete some of those files. Um, would you go to the OBS files and delete some of the oldest ones, my wife? It's OBS file under videos. And then hit record. Thank you. Um, that's okay, son. I've got it recording on a different program as well. I have it recording on two different programs. So when you say open the floodgates, are you referring to opening this dome? This dome, yes, the rakia. He's opening the rakia uh, for, for this. And so we're supposed to have in mind that Genesis chapter 1, that rakia is there. And he's getting rid of the, the decree and de deconstructing it and letting it come in and flood and... Um, so that's, that's what's happening there. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of cool, huh? Um, there's lots of passages we could go to. Um, I chose one of my personal favorites. This is um, the, per, the, the passage that I felt God calling me into the ministry with, Isaiah chapter 6. Um, this is the, the passage very dear to my heart. So... Um, Let's, let's, uh, let's read from that. Um, in the year that King uh, Uzziah, uh, Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him, and they had six wings, and two they covered their faces, and two they covered their feet, and two they flew. And one called to another, saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory uh, fills the whole earth. The foundation of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices and the temple filled with smoke. I mean, this, like I said, this is one of my favorite passages. This is, uh, there's a lot we can actually talk about here. We're only going to talk about a little bit of it. But um, uh, Isaiah here uh, is, 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 this is the call of Isaiah passage. And he's seeing Yahweh with his robe filling the temple um, where he wasn't in the temple before this, and he's been taken in like this vision space, in this vision to the temple. He wasn't there, because in chapter 5, you see he's not there. And then he, he goes, and he's, he's in this vision space where he's, um, he's in the vision. And he can't be in the place where God is. We know he's not there, because he's not the high priest, and only the high priest can go into the, the temple, the Holy of Holies. So we know he's not there, but God now has pulled him in with this vision into the place of the Holy of Holies. Um, so in this, this, this animation, there's the ark there. And of course, you know, it's when I think the ark of the covenant, I don't know how many of you are with me. The first thing you think of is Indiana Jones, <laughs> Right. Um, you know, where it melts people's faces off. Um, um, you know, you can only go in the, behind the curtain in over one day. But um, So Isaiah doesn't belong there in this space um, in the first place. And, and, we're, um, and so if we ask questions like, well, did he like sneak in? How did he get in the temple? We're, we're asking the wrong questions. Um, he's having this vision. It's, it's a place where it's, uh, you know, biblical prophets, uh, you know, I saw Yahweh. That's a little clue that we're in a visionary dream. Anytime you see in the prophets, I saw Yahweh, um, I saw the Lord in your Bible. Lord is all cap often. Uh, that's a little clue that, hey, we're going into vision at this point. Uh, if you're watching it on TV with like wavy or like, you know, black and out, fade in and out. You were like, you know, you would know, you know, and that's a, uh, um, so these are these little cues here that we're, we're in a visionary dream rail that happens. Um, and so he's in a dream vision and all of a sudden he's just in the temple where he ought not to be, um, which 
really brings a new element when he, when he later on says, I'm unclean. I, you know, like, I don't belong in front of you. I don't belong in this room. I don't belong here. I know I don't belong here. This is the place where people die when they come here inappropriately. And so he's, the, so of course he's going to cry out, I'm unpure. I don't belong here. And then that's when God touches him with that coal and says, it's okay to be here. That's pretty cool. Um, so, um, so, you know, so he sees uh, somebody sitting on the throne and, and, um, and he says, sees the robe. So basically you're, you're looking at like his knees down, right? Thighs down. That's, you know, he can't see up. He can't see the face. Um, he sees like, you know, waist maybe, but especially thighs and knees down. And, um, and God is just up there um, where the rulers above, the heavenly hosts, and, and so we see these seraphim, these burning ones is what it calls. So, the, so we're brought back to this idea of the seraphim are like these burning ones. And we're probably supposed to think about some of these flying uh, snake-like creatures we see in Mesopotamia. That's probably what he was thinking about. But automatically we're brought back into this idea that there were the, the one, the, 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 the creatures above. Maybe those star creatures. Maybe, the, you know, those, those, those things that are in the, the host of heavens and those things in the realm above. So we're automatically supposed to think of these above beings, these beings that don't belong here on earth either. Hey, they're only in God's space. Um, and uh, so we see that. So we're we're seeing there, and and so these these then they're singing out, holy, 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 and uh, the whole uh, Eretz is uh, the whole land is full of His glory. Uh, he alone is Creator of all. Uh, once again, bringing us back in Genesis chapter one, He creates it all, and there's an earthquake, and smoke fills the whole place. Um which is another symbol of God's glory, the incense uh, of the temple, because they would burn incense, uh, one for the smell, but also they believed that the, the prayers would be, covered, would be uh, lifted up on the smoke to the heavens. Um, so kind of cool. Uh, just a second, son, we'll get right to you. Uh, so I want to finish this. So um, on the, the land, uh, so... So, uh, so in this place where we're experienced here in the temple, thank you, Star, is um, a union, a place where heaven and earth have emerged. And that's the image we're getting here, where they're together, uh, where it's at its highest union. And um, it's where dry ground is at its highest. It's the, the highest land, earth and, and man, heaven are intertwining into one space. Um, so, um, you know, and we can only see the lower half because we're only a lower, you know, literally earth creature. Um, so the whole, um, so it's this all of a sudden split um, where, um, and so, um, Land overlaps with heaven. All of a sudden, it's assumed that the idea that the upper chambers of God's house are in the waters above. And now we've got this union, which, interesting enough, is the imagery that will become Jesus, the place where God and man merge, just like in the temple. Awesome. Um, and so... Um, so yeah, so this temperature plays an important role with Genesis one that you know um, that it's it's up there and, and, and with Jesus. So the whole concept of this te uh, temple heaven on earth that's the image of the temple heaven on earth that's the image of Jesus heaven on earth. Um, so um, so this he's brought into this place um, and. Isaiah um, is, is not happy when he, he finds himself there. I, I love that passage. He's brought to heaven on earth. and he's, it's, A lot of times we think, well, if heaven was on earth, I'd be thrilled, right? I mean, that's what a lot of our image, our, a, lot of, a lot of our songs, right, are about, you know, so happy to be in your presence. And, but Isaiah paints a very different picture, doesn't he? He's terrified. <laughs> Why? Because he's a man of unclean lips, from a people of unclean lips, which means I'm a, a people that aren't pure to be in here. I'm not, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I don't deserve to be in this presence. 
I mean, so it's very much a, um, you know, I think about that song, you know, I can only imagine, you know, I can only imagine what it'll be like. You know, it's a fun song, but the imagery here we get in the Bible is very much, I know exactly what you're going to do. You're going to drop to your knees because you don't belong there. <laughs> you're not worthy to be there. I mean, that's the imagery we get here in the Bible. Um, and it's only through God's grace, which is Jesus Christ, he's the coal that touches our lips, that burning coal that touches our lips. I love the, the imagery here. We have the burning ones, that's the seraphim, pick up a burning coal and touch it, a burning coal to his lips, making him burn and burn away his impurities. It's, uh, he, they play on this a lot. It's uh, pretty cool. Um, so, uh, so, uh, so that's that, that rakia. Um, let's go on. Uh, so we have this imagery here. That's Genesis chapter one. It's taking us back to, you know, this Isaiah, taking us back to Genesis chapter one. Uh, I, like I said, I could choose all kinds of them, but I, I chose, uh, Psalm 148. Here's another fun one. How many of you guys like the Psalms? You know, I grew up not liking the Psalms. I'll tell you why. I'm not a poet. I have trouble with, Ill, 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 with the, the, my brain. And I know some of you are like me and some of you are not. Uh, I, I'm a very analytical person. I like sciences. I like history. I like facts. Poetry kind of drives me nuts. It's all figurative. It's all um, emotional. It's all imagery, and I have trouble with that. I know some of you in this room are like me on that regard, and some of you are, are not. Some of you, like, you know, I grew up, my brother was very much, uh, loves the poetry, and, and I, I really struggle with them. Um, but I've come to love the, po the Psalms because of what they do in their imagery, but it took me a while to get there. <laughs> um, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Let's just pause right there. I can't go past that word without pausing. That's a great word. That's like one of my favorite words in all of Hebrew. Hallel, praise, to praise. Uh, so it's a command. You praise. Yah, which is the short and form of Yahweh, which means so you praise God. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a call to action. Y'all, because they speak in Texan back there. Y'all. Praise God with me. That's what that, y'all praise God with me. Every time you see hallelujah, that's what it means. Y'all praise God with me. Um, so that's a great word. Um, so praise the Lord. From, so praise, praise Yahweh from the heavens. Praise him from the heights. Praise him, all the angels. Praise him, all the heavenly armies. Praise him, the sun and moon. Praise him, you signing star. Whoa, we're already singing some imagery that coincides with Genesis chapter 1, aren't we? Uh, the, the, we have the, the sun, the moon, and the shining stars. Those are images taken straight from what day? What day is that taken from? I hear it. So it be with confidence. Four, day four. One is light. Four is the things that control the light, the rulers of the light. Two is the waters. Five are the things that control the waters. Six is the land. Uh, I mean, three is the land. Thank you. I, three is the land. Six is those who control and multiply and live on the land. So it's, um, so we have that. So we have that. So praise him, moon, and praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Oh, we got that again. The waters above and the waters below. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commands, and they were created he set them in the position forever and ever. He gave them order that they may never pass away. 
Praise the Lord from the earth, all the sea monsters in the ocean depths. Day five, and then the ocean depths. So he's calling even that symbol of chaos, those symbols of chaos, we're going to talk about those more. Those symbols of chaos, he's calling those, even those. In this passage here, he's calling even the symbols of chaos, praise God. That's pretty, that's pretty impressive. Lightning and hail, storm, snow and clouds, stormy wind, execute his command. Mountains and all the hills, fruit trees and all the cedars, wild animals and all the cattle. You know, those cattle stand out in Genesis in, 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 on day six. That cattle stands out. He's calling them here. Wild animals and cattle. The domesticated ones, creatures that crawl and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and judges of the earth, young men as well as young women, old, young, old and young together. Let them praise the Lord. His name alone is exalted. His majesty covers the heavens and the earth. He raised up a horn for his people, resulting in praise to the faithful one, to Israel uh, people close to him, hallelujah. So, so we talk about things like, you know, um, one of the things I wanted to point out is much as that's an amazing passage, we're talking somewhat about the waters. That's one of the things we're focusing on. Notice he's calling the waters above. Uh, I underlined it. Praise him highest heavens and waters above. So they have to be there still. So those chaotic waters have to be there still. Um, that's why I underlined that, just because it, it stands out. So I'm kind of focusing in on the waters, even though I can't just pass that up. It's a great passage. Um, uh, let's go Psalm 29. There's another one. Um, a Psalm of David, a Psalm accredited to David. Ascribe to the Lord... You heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord great strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in his, the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is above the waters. So there he is above the, that rakia and above the waters where it is the, the God of glory thunders the, above the vast waters. So that water's still there. The Lord of power, the voice of the Lord and his splendor, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon, uh, which uh, makes the Lebanon skip like a calf and sirloin wild yard. The voice of the Lord flashes flames of fire. It's probably... With the imagery here, I love the imagery of lightning in this. As he's, he's saying, this is the voice of the Lord here. Um, kind of cool. Uh, but uh, the Lord sits in enthroned above the, the flood. And he's not talking about the flood in Genesis. He's talking about those waters that did the flooding that are still above the rakia um, that he is stuff. So... Um, So those waters, they also, not only are they there, but they also do his bidding in this passage. Um, so, and we could go more passages. Well, you kind of get the idea. The waters are there above, God sits above the waters. Um, so we got the waters that are there. We're going to continue to trace some of those waters as we go into the Gospels, uh, but we're not going to get to that yet. I wanted to, to stop before we go further in that because we're going to have this character that shows up over and over and over and over again in the Scriptures, and that's the dragon, um, the chaos dragon. Um, you remember there's one, that, that one character, um, we didn't really talk about him, um, if we go back and look at this passage on day four, um, and this is not as clear as I want to, but it's on that paper that you guys have. Um, we have this symmetrical design of the, um, of day, day four and day five, um, Go, uh, that uh, that um, uh, day and through day six, where where the the characters in those waters um, is is like right in the middle of this design, this um, chiasm, 
Remember that word? Chiasm. Um, right in the middle of it, um, in Genesis 1.20, it says, let the waters, the water swarmers, um, and, the, and the water below, and the f- sky flyers, that's, that's what it actually says in the Hebrew, that's the literal uh, kind of way it reads in the, 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 the Hebrew, uh, the, the water uh, swarmers, and the, the or swimmers and the swarmers actually kind of more like a, a swarm, and the water uh, and the the sky flyers, um, but um, and that's mirrored in um, in verse twenty two, where they say water swarmers and sky flyers be fruitful and multiply, but right in the middle, in in verse twenty one, right in the middle of verse twenty one. Um, God creates, um, we're introduced to um, a, a being that our English translations kind of struggle with. Um, all right, so flip over to your Bibles. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 21. Um, there's this, this creature, um, and this is why one of the reasons I love digital Bibles. <laughs> Um, because it makes it easy to, 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 to see what multiple translations say at one time. Um, because you're able to like click on it and like some of some, them like click on it and it'll show you what every different translation says, uh, you know. Um, but uh, we have this uh, right here, it says great sea monster. That's, um, that's New American Standard right there. Um, does anyone's Bible say something different there? Sea beast, there you go. Sea creature, sea mon- yours does not say sea monkeys, <laughs> liar. <laughs> A great creature of the sea. Well, yeah. Well, um, so, anyone else have anything different right there in, in verse twenty-one? The the great sea monster. Um, so I did a, a quick, quick inventory myself. New America Standard has Great Sea Monster. NRSV has Great Sea Monster. English Standard Version has Great Sea Creatures. NIV has Great Sea, Great Creature of the Sea. Uh, the Hebrew word being here used here. Um, um, is the word there it is tanin tanin um and it's the 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 creature at the center of days 4 through 6 it's the symmetry every part of it matters and it's you know when when you're reading something and you get to the very center of something in the bible it, you when when it's in such symmetry you know the very center thing matters it just, that's the way it works. If, and they go through all that work to make it sound that great, right? You know, it's because they have put thought into every word of this Genesis chapter one. And all of a sudden you got this, what's at the matter? What's at the center of this chiasm? You know, it's going to matter. And we have this, this creature that sticks out. This tanin. He's not quite the ruler above, or a ruler below. Remember the, the, the things that the swarmers in the sea? Those are the rulers below. And the flyers, those are the rulers above. And we have something that's n- neither. It's uh, this tanin. And um, it's this uh, sea monster, sea dragon. I, I, I like the word dragon because it stands out. Um, a lot of our translations have gone away from dragon because we, 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 we don't know what to do with dragon. It's, yeah. <laughs> um, we're like, dragon? I thought I saw a dragon. We know there's no dragons. Um, you know, so some people have said, well, it's a leviathan or a dinosaur or a, um, but, uh, you know, usually a dinosaur that was like, you know, pre-flood and it stuck around or something, you know, but, um, but it's tanin. It's what it is. And it seems weird to us, but remember, they're not talking directly to us. They are speaking to us through time, but they're in their world and, 
in their cosmology, the way they're thinking, a sea monster in the deeps would have been, everyone knows what a sea monster, every, everyone, every religion around them has this, this, this sea creature, a dragon in the deep. That's one of the most popular images in Egyptian and Mesopotamian and Canaanite mythologies, this sea creature, sea dragon. I mean, and we could go back to a lot of our history books, uh, a lot of our mythologies, they have sea dragons in them. I think Norse mythologies and, uh, I mean, anything, they all talk about. So, you know, even Joel's Verne has that sea squid that, you know, almost sinks his boat. Um, what a great book that one was, too. Um, so, but it wouldn't have been so unusual for them. Now, now, this is not the only place that Tanin is mentioned. You know that? Uh, I, I grabbed a couple of those as well. Uh, we'll, just, we'll just look at a couple of them. There are other ones, but we grabbed a couple. Psalm 74. Um, yeah, that's a lot there. So you might want to flip in your Bibles because that's a lot up there. Um, a mask girl, uh, Yeah, I don't know if I would read all that. Um, so um, in this passage... Um, he says, why have you rejected us forever, God? Why does your anger burn against the sheep of your pasture? Now, in this, in this imagery we're having in the, in the Psalms, um, the temple is smoldering ruins because Babylon has come in and destroyed the temple. That's when this psalm comes about. Um, and so he's, he's crying out to God, why did you let this horrible thing happen to the temple? You know, why have you abandoned us? Even though the prophet's been saying for years, if you don't turn around, this is what's going to happen. And so it does happen. And then we have a, a psalm, uh, a, a, uh, which, remember, the psalms are uh, our voice crying up to God, our response crying out to God. And so he says, why, God? Why does your anger burn against the sheep of your pasture? Remember, your uh, congregation, which you purchased long ago and redeemed as your tribe for your own possession. Going back to the story of Moses, right? Uh, remember Mount Zion where you dwelt. Make your way to the perpetual ruins to all enemies destroyed the sanctuary. Your adversary. So, so like this is going, we've got this fiery imagery. It's, it's burnt and stuff. Let's skip down to verse... 12, my God, my king is from ancient times, performing saving acts on the earth. Um, then I'm going to read further on. Uh, okay, yeah. Uh, you divided the sea with your strength. Now, our first, my first image was like, oh, well, like the Red Sea. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about Genesis chapter 1. You smash the heads of the sea monsters. There's the tanin. You smash the tanin in the waters. Um, it was you who crushed the heads of Leviathan. So when we speak of the word Leviathan, now we know we're automatically supposed to think of the Tanin. So every time you see Leviathan in the scriptures, like especially like Job, Job has Leviathan in it. There's other places too, right? How many of you guys are like, well, Leviathan was a crocodile. Or Leviathan was a, you know, like I've read all kinds of things where people say what it was, right? But we're automatically supposed to think of Tanin, the sea monster. You've crushed the head of it, uh, the Leviathan, uh, which the Hebrew word for Leviathan is uh, a different word in the Hebrew. Um, so both of them refer to a, kind of a, 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 maybe a reptilian monster. Uh, Leviathan is talked about in the waters or on the dry land. So now we got this image of the Tanin, a sea dragon, who's not just in the sea, can also go on the land. It sounds like an alligator, right? Um, but we're not supposed to think about the, this, this tenning. Um, it's referred to um, um, to this, this creature that can be both on land and on water, the sea dragon that's there. Um, here's another cool place. Um, Genesis 
chapter, I mean, sorry, not just Exodus, Exodus chapter four. Um, Moses is up uh, on the, in that holy place, you know, Moses, you know, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And he'd go like, well, God, I don't know who you are, what's your name? And he's like, you're not going to pull one on me. I am that I am. And that's where we get the name Yahweh from. Um, and he goes, um, and he, you know, and he tells him, you need to go uh, back to the land where, you know, you killed that guy. And, uh, and uh, you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my piece of pe people go. And, um, and, uh, and, uh, and the Lord said, uh, um, and the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And Moses threw it, you know, take your staff in your hand and throw it on the ground. So he took his, his staff that was a shepherd's crook, you know, for getting sheep because they're dumb creatures and they will go in the stupidest places. If there's a hole, they're going to dive right into it because that's what sheep are. Um, and so he says, the Lord says, so take your staff and throw it on the ground. And it became, uh, the word there is actually uh, nahash, which is the word snake. Nahash. Um, nahash. And so, and so he says, okay. And so he picks it up by the tail and it turns back to his staff, right? And he says, okay, I've got a magic trick now. I can go face, um, uh, go face Pharaoh. Um, so Moses and Aaron are going to, uh, because he wouldn't go without someone to talk for him because, you know, he was slow with speech, slow tongue, but he does a lot of talking. And anytime Aaron speaks, uh, we have, you know, it's just Aaron speaking, bad things happen. <laughs> um, so we have this so he says go before Moses and so, so he's, he's in front of Pharaoh right and uh, he's going to do his magic trick right so um, he takes uh, and, and so uh, Moses went to Pharaoh just as he commanded and Aaron threw his staff in front of Pharaoh and the officials and it became and see we use the same word snake uh -uh. that is not Nahash you go back to the Hebrew, that is the word tanin. It became a dragon. It's like uh, the Nahash before, that was just, that was just pity stuff. When you're going to do it in front of Ferris courts, I want to make it become like the ultimate monster. And that's why it's able to eat all the other snakes, you know? Because this is, this is the beast. This is the chaos dragon. This is the... You have in your hand, this is tanin. Now you throw it down, it becomes tanin. Uh, ain't that awesome? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, that's, uh, aren't you glad you study Hebrew? Because uh, it brings so much to life, right? Um, that's awesome. He does this, you know, he's, he's there and he throws it on the ground and becomes tanin. Um, uh, so God can use it. So we have this creature that's both water and on land. This tanin, Leviathan, on land and water, and also snake. So whenever you read snake in the scriptures, a lot of times the word nahash is used, but it also brings up the image of tanin, the dragon. So that snake in Genesis chapter 2 is a chaotic creature that harkens us back to Genesis chapter 1. The tanin. Uh, kind of cool, huh? Yeah. Uh, Job. Job. We, we can't go talk about Le Leviathan without stopping in Job, right? Uh, in Job 26, he marks out the horizon on the face of the waters um, for boundaries between light and darkness, the pillars of heavens quake against his, uh, his, uh, his rebuke. By his powers, he turns the sea. By the wisdom, he cut uh, Rahab into pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. And his hand glided, uh, uh, gliding serpent. And these, uh, and these are but the outer fringes of his works. Faint whispers we hear of him. Um, so the idea here is God is confronting the sea monster. That serpent there is the tanin. Um, and so uh, he's, God is confronting the sea monsters 
in an act of creation. Uh, well, this harkens us back to the imagery. Remember we talked about Marduk in the Babylonian cosmology, um, which imagery like that appears throughout the Hebrew Bible. Um, so, you know, in the book of Job, uh, it, it makes... Um, God is creating the horizon on the water that separates light and darkness. And he sets up the power of the, the pillars, which refers to the pillars that um, hold the rakia up. And so they keep it from caving in. And he turned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab into pieces. Um, this seems kind of weird to us because we're like, Rahab? I only know another Rahab. And she didn't get cut into pieces, right? Um, this is another name for our monster. Uh, Rahab is a very rare word in the Hebrew. And I'm told by Hebrew nerds, and they still debate it. But the meaning of the name means something like storming or turning, like the sea is turning. Um, and, um, and so he's... Um, so it's like this Rahab is another word for the, the, um, the sea monster in this, in this context, uh, the storming chaotic of the waters. Um, you know, and, and he hacks this monster into pieces by his breath, the skies become fair, and his, um, and his hand pierced the gliding serpent. Um, which kind of reminds me also of the Egyptian cosmology where the sun god goes in the underworld overnight and he's got to kill the chaos monster every night so he can, the sun can rise up again. Um, but here, um, you know, and so he pierces the head of the serpent under the, that's under there. He, he, um, he's playing reference on that as he, the Tanin is this chaos monster. He's like, Our god is bigger and he defeats the chaos monster and he he's uh um he was there at the creation yeah tanin tanin yeah so pretty awesome huh oh uh, okay um Let's look at one more before we move. Let's, let's look at one more. Uh, Psalm 89. Um, who is like you, Lord Almighty? You, Lord uh, Almighty, are your faithful surrounds, the ruler of the surging seas. When waves mount up, you steal them. You crush Rahab like the, the one of the slain. There's that word for that monster, that Rahab word, that storm of the, the stormy, turning monster, chaos monster. Your heavens are, the heavens are yours and yours also the earth. You found the world of all, you founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. Uh, Tabor and, and Hermon sing of your joy at your name. Your arm is endowed with power, your hand strong, your right hand exalted. Um, so, so we really have um, um, you know, as I think about this, I think about you know some of the imagery. That, that must have caused these things as they thought about the monsters and the depths, you know. Um, creatures that probably washed up on sea and they didn't know what they were, <laughs> you know. Uh, bones they found, you know. Uh, you know. And they're like, what in the world is this? And they create these images in their, their minds that, you know, stories that sailor told, sailors told. The Israelites are never sailors, but they did some trade with other nations that were sailors. And so they telling you know talking to these say these stories about you know sea monsters and um, you know so through throughout the majority of human history we perceived creatures of the deep that are just scary I mean even we we even have them today how how many of you, your favorite movie is Jaws right you know uh, you know I read the book for the first time the other day it is nothing like the movie. <laughs> Uh, 
In Jaws, the movie, the shark is like the main character. That's the main character. In the book, it's just a side character. Yeah, um, yeah it's pretty interesting. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. Loch Ness Monster, there you go. Uh, yeah, uh, those things, that those symbols we have of dangerous things out there that are unknowable and... Uh, you know, we haven't found them just because, you know, not because they're not there, just because. <laughs> um, you know, but that's, you know, they, there are uh, lots of, you know, theories. Uh, uh, you watch those new Godzilla movies where there's, you know, like the hollow earth theory that was on there. That's a real theory, the hollow earth theory, where there's uh, caverns underneath the hollow earth that these creatures have moved into and, and stuff like that. So, um, but, uh, you know, just think about how, 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 uh, how what we see and what we hear and what we do shapes our imaginations of what's out there and uh, our view of dangerousness, you know. Um, and so, um, and so we think about things like dragon. It just doesn't mix well into our way of thinking today. Well, you know, like dragons, that's something we see in sci-fi movies. That doesn't really mix with my way of thinking. You know, I'm not facing dragons today. Uh, but the imagery there, as we follow Jesus, is the imagery there is that um, that that, uh, um, that 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 chaos dragon is still here. Those chaos things are still here, and when we crush the head of the serpent, that's still us fighting the chaos dragon. When we're we're sinking to find earth, every time that we're not at unity with ourselves, we start to bicker with each other. We're we are becoming, like even weak, even us human beings can become the chaos dragon. We can even become the chaos dragon as we, we, we bring disorder and stuff like that. There's, so there's this imagery in there. And that's another image that, that's in the scriptures as well, that we can even become that, that, that creature. Um, as we become servants of the, 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 the you know, of disorder and destruction and chaos. Um, and so that's. Uh huh. The monster Rahab? Okay. What she said was in the French, when it says Rahab, it actually translates, they, they translate it the monster Rahab. So to clarify it. Um, which is cool. Our English Bibles don't do that. So kudos to the French version. <laughs> Um, uh, I want to quote from a, a book. Um, uh, this is um, Robin Perry, The Biblical Cosmos. Um, if you want a fun read. Um, In the Bible, waters and the beasts, sea beasts function as... Um, evocative symbols of overwhelming and powerful chaos influencing forces. They remind us that God's creation is good but not tame. There are forces beyond human controls that should be treated with respect because when they exceed their bounds, they are destructive. At a metaphorical level, dragons and wild oceans remain helpful symbols of chaos that can invade communal and individual human world, threatening order and life itself. Within the Bible, the symbol is used to describe political opposition and collapse of order in the lives of communities and people. As a metaphysical level, Genesis 1 depicts a creation that left to itself would collapse back into chaos. The world does not sustain or order itself. It is God who orders and continues to order reality. But the tendency towards disorder, disorder is inherent within the world. The sea represents non-being, literally no thing. Whew, that's a lot. Take this approach, we might consider evil portrayed as chaotic waters or sea beasts as tendency in creation to move away from being and form towards nothingness. We find here, find Augustine helpful idea that evil is 
not a thing as such, but the lack of substance and form, a privation. Uh, uh, Evil is what remains when goodness has fallen away from something's nature. On approach, the sea and the dragon are symbols of meaningless cre- meaninglessness, creation that has fallen from its independent purses, conveyed in the way evil as no purpose or being is literally nothing and has no meaning at all. That, of course, is what is so terrible about it. Um. Um, so, all right, I'm almost out of time, but let's, let's, I want to go one more, one more idea real quick here as we tie this up together. Uh, we have Leviathan, Tanin, the snake, Rahab. These are all ways of really talking about the same thing. Um, and, um, I wanted to turn to Mark chapter four. We're going to go back into the gospels next week, but I wanted to touch base just real quick here. Uh, Mark 4, it's okay. Um, On that day, the evening had come. He told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowds and took him along since he was in a boat, and other boats were with him. Great windstorms arose, and the waves were breaking over the boat so that the boat was already being swamped in the stern, and he was sleeping on a cushion. So they woke up and said, teacher, don't you care if we're going to die? And he got up and rebuked the wind and, he, and, and to the sea, silence, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? You have no faith? And they, we, were testif- we were terrified. Once he uh, asked one another, who then is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him. Um, Jesus, Mark is playing on imagery that comes from the Old Testament here. Jesus is rebuking the sea just as Yahweh rebuked the waters. Um, And we see more images of that in Nahum 1 and Psalm 106. Jesus walks on the sea just as as God was hovering over the waters. Um, So we're seeing this, this imagery that Jesus is God in the very notion of what he's doing in here. Um, now, um, we're out of time, really, but uh, um, I, 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 I read Daniel chapter 7. There's more imagery that relates to this in Daniel chapter 7. Of course, Revelation chapter 13. Um, I'll, I'll point to Revelation chapter 13 real quick. The dragon stood up on the seesaw and I saw the beast coming out of the sea. It's the idea, Genesis chapter 1, that chaos dragon coming out. So you ask, what is the chaos dragon? It's Genesis chapter 1. We're, Genesis is going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1. Had 10 horns, 7. And we can argue about what that is, you know, like in the future, in the past, and all those things. But that's really not the point of what we're talking about here. The dragon uh, gave the beast his power um, and his throne and his great authority, you know, this, uh, this, this chaos dragon that's coming out, this reclaiming, this, this chaos dragon coming back out and wreaking havoc for a while. And then, and then we end, of course, in Revelation, right? Where new heaven, new earth for the first, and the, the earth passed away and there was no longer any seas. Not that there's no longer any surfers that are, you know, catching tin. But the, the imagery there is there is no... See, that, that chaos symbol has gone away. That, that pre-order, pre-creation that's always threatening, no more. Um, so, yeah, so next week we'll, we'll talk uh, probably about living waters. Uh, that's probably where I'm going to head. I haven't written next week yet. So, um, so I have no promises, but I'm pretty sure that's where we're heading. <laughs> uh, any questions? There is. There's water in the sky. It comes down as rain, doesn't it? 
And there's water always in the, in the, the, the sky. And even in the air we breathe, has a little bit of water. We call it humidity. All right, any other questions, comments? All right, let's close in prayer and we will call it for the day. Uh, Father God, we praise you today, Lord. We thank you for this wonderful blessing. We just ask that you speak to our hearts and just continue to, to bless us as we go throughout our week. Lord, that we focus in on you, Lord. Lord, help us not to be agents of, create, of chaos, uh, but to be your vessels, your rulers, to help push away chaos in this world, that we may be uh, vessels of order as you have called us to be. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.